Our scripture reading this morning is John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Uh, It's page 768 in the Pew Bible. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Word of the Lord. Today's a special day for me. I love it when people get baptized for sure. Good morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is. Um, How many of you have ever been surprised? I think we've all been surprised by something. So my surprise is that I'm not doing a children's message today. (laughs) No, actually I am. Um, I was thinking about surprises, and when um, we all get surprised by some things, what are some things that surprise you? 
what? Loud noise. Ella cleans her room. <laughs> hmm? Tax rebates. Yeah, a lot of things. Um, maybe if somebody gives you a hug and a smile, and you didn't ever think that person would give you a hug or a smile. That's a nice surprise, right? Or you get a good grade on a test, or you get a raise at work. Those are all nice surprises. Well, the Bible story today was a surprise for some people. And sometimes I wonder why they were so surprised. When the disciples, when, when the ladies went to the tomb, they were surprised. When the disciples went to the tomb, they were surprised. Why were they surprised? Because he wasn't there, but they shouldn't have been surprised. He'd been telling them all along. Right? He's been saying, hey, I'm going to go, but I'll be back. And if they knew their scriptures, they would know that it was in there all along, that this was going to happen, and he was coming back. So, I brought some eggs today. Everybody has eggs for Easter, right? Chocolate ones, real ones, hard-boiled eggs, all kinds of eggs, right? Hmm? The eggs, yeah. So, I brought some eggs. I bought these last night. Last night? Last night, night before, at the store. So we all know what's inside an egg, right? What's inside an egg? Hmm? Yolk and the yummy deliciousness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we know what's inside this. If I were to crack this egg open, we'd know what to expect, right? What if I told you, though, that there was something beautiful and colorful inside here? The way I'm holding it? Okay, well, if I hold it this way, is that different? No? This way? This way? So, how about I break it and we'll find out what's inside? Okay. So, it is an egg. Just like I said. <clears throat> this is what we expect when we break an egg. We expect to see a yellow yolk and that clear, slimy stuff that turns into delicious wonderfulness. Um, it's what we expect. And that's what the women and the disciples expected when they got to the tomb. They expected to find Jesus' dead body in there. Because when someone dies, they're dead. Even though Jesus had raised Lazarus, from the dead, not too long ago. They still expected to see inside the egg an egg. And that's what they didn't see. All right, so I have another egg for my thing here. Um, what if I told you that this time it's different? This time there's something wonderful and colorful inside here. How many of you would believe me? Hmm? Yellow is a color. Um, none of you believe me that there's something colorful and wonderful inside here? Hmm? You believe me? Ron, believe me. You believe me? I wouldn't lie to you. There's something wonderful inside here. So I need one of you that believes me to come up here. Come on up. You're the next contestant. All right, so I'm going to give you this because you might need it. 
All right, so I, I, I want to, I'm going to break this egg over your head. <laughs> okay, but you believe me that there's something wonderful and colorful inside here, right? And not something slimy and yucky? You believe me, good, because, oh, I don't want to go too far. Crack it. <laughs> Something wonderful and colorful is inside there. Just like what you expected, right? It wasn't what should have been in there. It was better. Less, well, I won't say less messy. I'm sorry, Carl. It's not less messy. It's quite a mess up here. Thank you for your assistance there. Um, but it was a surprise. It wasn't what you expected. Well, maybe you did. I don't know. You probably expected it. But the empty grave, not what the disciples expected, even though they had been told, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life. So we have an amazing God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you willingly went to the cross. You willingly took our sins on, on you so that we could be forgiven. You were the sacrifice to pay the price for our sins. We thank you that you willingly went to the grave and that you rose triumphant over death and the grave so that we can have eternal life with you. So we thank you for your willingness to show your great love for us, the love that you've had for us since the beginning of time. We thank you for wonderful surprises. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, this is a day of good news. We pray that when we leave here, we will feel like it is truly good news. In your name, amen. Okay, so good news. What is the good news about today? He is risen indeed. That's good news. Why is that good news? There's hope for us yet. How is it? Hope? Yeah. Okay. There's more to everything. I love that. So um, some of you know we have a small group that meets on Tuesday mornings on Zoom called Morning Quiet, and we read a psalm together and we pray together, and sometimes our friend Jody from Wisconsin joins us because it's on Zoom, um, and this week she, she joined us, and she said something like, we grew up in a type of church where the good news sounded like bad news. Have you ever had that? Lots of people could say that, unfortunately. Um, I think in her case, she was referring to, because I know her pretty well, um, she was referring to the kind of explanation of the good news, or what we call the gospel, that sounds like this. You are a worthless piece of trash who God the Father wanted to destroy, but Jesus stepped in, and so the father was like, okay, fine, I will let you get beat up instead. Have you ever heard the gospel explained like that? 
If you haven't, consider yourself blessed. Because there's a whole lot of that around. And I feel like when it sounds like that, it's not totally unreasonable that some people are like, okay, I think I'm good. How is that good news? I am all set. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it's, it's often part of fire and brimstone services. Um, lots of people could say that the good news of Jesus Christ has been communicated to them in ways that sound like bad news. And in this country, at least, um, you know that I work here and then I work online, and a lot of the people online that I work with um, really have only experienced the good news of Jesus as bad news, and it's starting to trickle down, and they're starting to realize it, and some of them are walking away from the faith altogether, and some of them are trying to still have faith, but they can't quite figure out how to do it because they don't know what to do with all this bad news grossness that they've encountered. So I feel, I feel like, at least, in this country, you can spend a whole lot of time not just evangelizing people who have never heard the story of Jesus, but people who have heard it, but for various reasons, sometimes it's their own stubborn hearts, but more often it's poor teaching and worse example, have missed the whole point of the story. How about this? Have you ever heard this? It's not a religion, it's a relationship. What does it mean? Okay, Ron said it means you're not just checking boxes. What did you say, David? Okay, so you're saying it's not so much about the rules, but it's about getting so close to Jesus, letting him be our friend, or letting God be our father. I agree. Um, do you think that... I agree with both of you, by the way. I, do you think that um, this is what Christianity looks like most of the time. Mm, at least a lot of the time, maybe not. Is it your experience? Is that your experience of Christianity or of Christ? Sometimes, yes. Good. So, if it is true that our faith in Christ is, or at least can be, a relationship with him and through him with God, the Trinity, that would be really good news, right? Why? Why is it a good, a good news to have a relationship with God? Who cares? Because he's in charge. Yeah, it's pretty good to know the guy in charge. Because he loves us. Right. He invites us to love him back. So this is the whole point. This is why God created the heavens and the earth and why he created humans, so that we could have a relationship with him, and through that relationship we could express him to each other and the rest of the world and um, even within our own hearts, get to know who we truly are. So, but somewhere down the line, it is often very easy to get off track. Um, partly probably because we can't actually see Jesus anymore. Um, 
sometimes I think because we can't see Jesus anymore, it is much easier to actually get focused not on the one we're following, but on the track, which is the rules, the regulations, the religion. So we end up trying to, we want to make sure we get it right, we don't want to get off track, and so we're like focusing on the track, and maybe Jesus was like, hey, there's a really cool overlook over here. Come over, I want to show you this. But we are focused on the track. Or let's go down this side road because there's another person that I want you to introduce me to. But we're just focusing on the track. And we miss it. Sometimes we miss the relationship, even if we already had it, even if we already know Jesus, even if we're already saved. Um, when we talk about a relationship with Jesus, I know some of you watch the Chosen TV series. I think that is a great show if you want to know what a relationship with Jesus looks like, because you just see people being people and Jesus responding so lovingly and not letting people get away with nonsense, but he doesn't browbeat them. He just loves them and redirects them. And I think it's, if you want to, like, kind of recharge your thinking about that relationship, that's a great show to watch just for that. But sometimes, for some of us, even maybe the people in Jesus' time period that we see depicted in The Chosen, even those people who had an actual in-person relationship with a Jesus they could see, Jesus himself disappears. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is good news for everyone. For those who don't have a relationship with him yet, and for those who do. And sometimes I think those of us who do forget that he's good news for us too. The passage that Paul read for us today shows us three people, Peter, John, and Mary Magdalene. They already knew Jesus in person, and they had different responses, both to his absence and his presence. Their relationships with Jesus this weekend, meaning the Passover weekend where Jesus was crucified, um, were a little bit messy, especially the two guys. John had connections with the high priest, so he managed to get into the high priest's house Presumably, he actually witnessed the whole mock trial, but he didn't do anything to help. We have no idea what he did in there. We just know that he got in there, and then there's nothing, like, he doesn't tell us. <laughs> so, um, he might have been the only male disciple at the cross. He does show up again at the cross. Um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says to him that Jesus' mother, Mary, is now his mother, and John is now her son, so he, but he might have been the only male disciple at the cross. The other people following Jesus that we know of who were at the cross were the women disciples. Peter, on the other hand, denied Jesus three times, so there's a pretty good chance he didn't go to the cross because he was feeling really bad about that. Mary was one of the women disciples who stayed with Jesus at the crucifixion. Now, there's a little... The, the four Gospels all tell the resurrection story in different ways with different details, and they all kind of hang together, but you kind of have to work a little bit to figure out 
the order of events. Here's my take. Mary, Jesus' mother, and a couple of the other women disciples go to the tomb with spices to um, embalm Jesus' body because they didn't have time to do that during Passover right before the Sabbath. So they go there first thing on Sunday morning, and they get there, and they see the angel who tells them that he is risen, and they go running off. Mary Magdalene, for some reason, it doesn't seem like she was there with those women. We don't know why. Maybe she missed the memo. Maybe her alarm clock went off way that don't know. But anyway, she gets there by herself. And there's no Jesus. And the stone's rolled away. And so she takes off running, and she runs into Peter and John. And she tells them, they've taken our Lord away, and I don't know where he is. And so they don't apparently even respond. They just both start running, and then John records that he got there first. Um, but Peter is brave enough to actually go into the tomb. John just looks in. Peter actually goes in. He sees the linens all wrapped up, all folded up nicely and neatly, and no body. But they don't investigate further. I don't know what they thought. They leave, and they, John says they return to where they were staying, which we know is they were hiding out with the other male disciples in the upper room. Mary probably walked back to the tomb while those two guys were running there and back. She keeps missing everybody. But most of all, Mary is missing Jesus. So she goes back to the tomb. She's all by herself again. She looks in the tomb again. This time, she sees two angels. It's really kind of crazy because the angels, she sees them, and they talk to her. They say, what are you looking for? And she's like, I'm looking for my Lord. And she doesn't, almost everybody in the Bible, when they see an angel in either testament, they're like alarmed, and the angel has to say, don't be afraid. But Mary is obviously so distraught, she's not even like thinking, oh, I'm talking to some angels right now. They don't have to tell her, don't be afraid, because the big news is not the angels. Have you ever been so sad, so grief-stricken, that you don't even know what day it is? You don't even know what's happening? Yeah. So it's not really that surprising that even though Mary's gone to the tomb twice and the body hasn't been there and there's no evidence of anyone having taken it away and she's just talked to two angels, she still thinks Jesus is the gardener. He says, woman, what are, why are you crying? Well, I'm in a grave, so... <laughs> um, she thinks it's the gardener until something. How does she realize it's Jesus? He says her name. In Isaiah 43, verse 1, God says through the prophet Isaiah, but now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned or called you by name. You are mine. The good news about the resurrection for Peter, John, and Mary is that Jesus knew their names. Jesus knew who they were. And because he knew who they were, that is how they were able to know who 
he was. They were his friends before the cross and after the cross. They were his friends before they got too scared to stand up for him or denied him or didn't recognize him and after all those things happened. Jesus loved them, and they loved him, and in the end, nothing could change that. Nothing could change that Jesus loved them. But knowing Jesus and Jesus knowing them would change them for the better and better. This is why we have the whole New Testament, because of how Jesus changed his friends. Jesus died for our sins. And Jesus died because of our sins. Jesus died because of our sin. When we say Jesus died because of our sin, we mean the sinful, violent tendencies of humanity as a whole got free reign through religious leaders, political leaders, the military, and the mob, the regular people in a group at their worst. The human sin that encompasses all of us was let loose on Good Friday, and Jesus bore the brunt of all of that. And that's how we can say Jesus died because of our sin. Jesus died for our sin means that Jesus died on our behalf in some kind of mysterious cosmic exchange. A couple years ago during Lent, we talked about a whole bunch of different theories of atonement, which are a whole bunch of understandings of how it is that Jesus' death on the cross uh, restored our relationship with God. We're not, that was seven whole weeks, guys. We're not going to go into that right now. Um, but, some, but it is mysterious how Jesus' death somehow took all of the consequences and all of any punishment and all of the long-term effects of our sin on Jesus so we do not have to suffer eternal death. We sinned, Jesus didn't, but he put our sinful humanity, our sinful identity on himself and suffered the death that was due to us. The wages of sin is death. And our disloyalty to the creator, the giver of life, ends up in death. It's not so much a punishment, oh, you horrible, horrible people. <laughs> it is a consequence of glorious beings that God created cutting ourselves off from the one who is our life. If we do that, we're going to die. We don't get our life from ourselves or anything else. We get it from God. The great good news of Easter is that death couldn't keep the sinless life giver down. Even with all of our sins, all of humankind's sins, on him for all time, that could not keep him down. He was so full of life, he could not stay dead. The reason that is good news is that now, because of that mysterious cosmic exchange, we can live in hope of resurrection in the future and also of real life, real relationship with God in the here and now. Uh, this week, not only did we have morning quiet on Tuesday morning, but I have a twice-a-month Bible study with the online pilgrimage group um, on Wednesday, every other Wednesday. 
And we were talking about this passage in that group, and there's a guy in that group who definitely took different classes in seminary than I did. Um, I guess he took one that was on the Gospel of John, and he pointed out something really cool that I just have to nerd out about. We're almost done here, but this, this was great. So you know, if you're familiar with the Gospel of John at all, you know that it starts very similar to Genesis. Genesis says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John is intentionally calling back to Genesis where, when he starts his Gospel. But I never knew until Wednesday, when my friend said this, throughout his Gospel, John keeps hinting back at Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2 are the way the world was supposed to be, God's intention for the world and for humans. And so John ends his gospel in a garden, like the Garden of Eden. And he restores, he, he concludes the interaction with Jesus talking to this woman. And Jesus says to her, don't hold on to me. And there's a lot of ways to interpret that. But I think one way we could think of it is, I'm not quite done yet. Maybe like, you ever bake something and it says, the recipe says, you've got to leave it on the counter for a minute before you tip it out of the pan? <laughs> so it could be like that. Jesus' body wasn't fully glorified, so don't touch it because it's not done yet. Um, but also, he says, don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to my Father. His purpose was to, for God to become a human being, to show us what human beings were intended to be from the beginning, and to go through a brutal death because of our sin and for our sin, and then to literally die, and then literally to come back to life, and then to ascend to the Father because he was making a way through the whole of human life to bring us back to the Father. He says, go tell my brothers that I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. He is changing the relationship between humans and God. Now we can call God Father. So he is, so the way John writes this, he is wrapping it up and he's giving us this glimmer of hope. This is how we get back to God's intention in the garden. This is how we get back. And in the garden, everything was good. So we have today, we have good news. And for the rest of Easter, we're going to be talking about good things. All of our sermons are going to start with the word good. All the titles. Good, 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 because God declared his creation good, and God has done it. God has become a human, suffered and died, risen from the grave, and Jesus has ascended back to the Father, so we can, in the here and now, by his Spirit, start to live in relationship with him that overflows into our relationships with each other and with the rest of the world, and God will declare it good. Hallelujah. That is good news. Let's sing a song about it.
and rejoice.